0: This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Well, Joel, can you put the PowerPoint up there? We're going to talk for a few minutes today um, about something. I don't know. We were in prayer a couple weeks ago, and I was uh, looking through some verses as we were praying, and something just really spoke to me. Have you ever, you just come across a verse that maybe you've read before, and at that point in time, it just really resonated with you? And I read this verse, and it kind of cleaned my clock, it kind of rang my bell, it kind of scrambled my eggs for a minute there, if you know what I mean. I was like, what in the world is this? And so the title today is this, who are you trying to make happy? Who are you trying to make happy? Are you trying to just make yourself happy? You're trying to make your friends happy. You're trying to make society happy. You're trying to make Jesus happy. You're trying to make the powers that be happy. Who are you trying to make happy? And so the opening verses that I'm going to look at where this all comes from is John chapter 12. Can you flip over there this morning? John chapter 12. That was weak, but I forgive you. Amen. I said we're reading the Bible today. This is the Word of God, John chapter 12. <laughs> all right, all right. I'm I'm starting to believe you. I believe you, but my Tommy gun don't. No, I'm kidding. All right. Okay, uh, John chapter 12, and we're going to look at a few verses here this morning. And this is this is uh, something that you know. It's we read this, and it seems like man, how could anybody be like that? But Listen, this strikes eerily close to home for where we are at in 2021. John chapter 12, verse 42 and 43. It says this. Many people did believe in him. However, including some of the Jewish leaders, but they wouldn't admit it for fear that the Pharisees would expel them from the synagogue. Look at this. For they love human praise more than the praise of God. Think about that. These, there was people, even amongst the Jewish leaders, they, they saw the things that Jesus was doing, they saw the, they heard the word that He was preaching, and they're like, you know what, this must really be the Son of God. This guy must really be who He says that he is, and there was a whole lot of people that believed in Jesus. Some people believed in him so much that they were willing to die for him, and they publicly declared their allegiance to him. But then there was a whole other group of people, they believed in him alright, but they were too afraid to admit it. They were too afraid to actually stand up for what they believed in. For fear that, well, they'll kick me out of where I've always been. I will be cut off from the rest of my circle that I have always been in if they find out that this is what I truly feel like and believe. And why did they, why were they willing to sacrifice all that Jesus had to offer for the feelings of other people? Why? Because they loved human praise more than the praise of God. Now that, I mean, that just does something. I read that and I'm like, oh my gosh. Lord Jesus, never, ever let me be like that. May there never be one moment in time where God looks down there and says, oh, he won't stand up for me. He he cares more about what those people think than what I think. That I mean, that shakes me on the inside. The Message Bible put it this way, verse 43, the Message Bible said, when push came to shove, they cared more for human approval than for God's glory. "...when push came to shove, these people cared more for human approval than for God's glory." Can you imagine that? That you care more, well, I I know that God's telling me to do this. I know that the Bible clearly says that this is the right way to believe and the right way to do. But if I take that route, if I go that path, I don't think that all these people, my family's probably not going to like that very much. My friends, the people at school, the people at work, the people around me, the Bible clearly says this, but I don't think that they're going to approve of that. So I'm just going to have to Stay silent. I'm just going to have to do what I've always done. I'm just going to have to ignore that part of the Bible. That's a sad place to be in. Yet it wasn't just back then that people did that. People do that right now. If you stand up for what the Bible really says, they'll cancel you. It's called cancel culture. (laughs) Now, that might not be something fun to talk about, but this is a horrific attack. In fact, I was, I was watching this documentary the other night, and maybe I'm just behind the, behind the ball here, but this guy kept referring to this BCE, you know, referring to dates, and he kept saying BCE, and I'm like, what is, it's BC! What the heck is BCE? And I had to look it up, but, but it it came up in a, not in a a Christian dictionary, but I Googled it, and I think the English dictionary from Oxford or whatever pulled up, and it said BCE stands for before common something, and the, and the reason we use this now is to eliminate the, 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 the name of Christ from telling time, so it doesn't offend people that don't believe in Christ, and to, and, and I mean, this was just a secular dictionary, it's to get rid of the name of Christ, so as people that don't believe in Christ aren't offended, and that we don't in, include him in our culture, and it's basically straight up said that, I'm like, I'm going to say B.C., before Christ, and I'm going to say A D after death, because that's what it is. That's how we've always told time. We're not going to cancel the name of Jesus, We're not going to cancel the name of Christ because it may offend somebody, yet there are plenty of people who are like, No, I believe in him, I, I do, but I just need to kind of keep this because they love human praise more than the praise of God. Now, we all stand before God someday. I don't know if we all realize that or not, but every human being will stand before the Almighty at some point when this life is over and give an account. Now, I don't want to stand up before God and be like, hey, why, why wouldn't you just stand up for I stood up for you. When the devil was thumbing you around and, and thumping you around, I stood up for you and I died on the cross for you. You couldn't at least just, hey, admit that you believed in me. That's something to think about. And so, no matter what this world says, you can't believe that. You can't say that anymore. Listen. I will boldly declare this, Isaiah 50, verse 7, the HDWC theme verse for 2021, Because the Sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a stone, determined to do His will, and I know that I will not be put to shame. Somebody say amen today. The sovereign Lord is on my side. If God is for me, who can be against me? And the way my dad always said it growing up, if God is for me, what difference does it make who's against me? Amen. One of him counts for seven billion of them. And even more than that. God is on our side. And so listen, we're going to look at a few things here today regarding who are you trying to make happy. And really, I think everybody, even if you're a regular church-going, God-fearing, red-blooded American Christian, you need to identify where you're at with this and and take a, a, a real look at yourself, all right? And so we're going to look at a few things here regarding who are you trying to make happy. Number one, and I'm gonna say this today, number one, I can't live to please other people. I just flat out can't do it. Because there's too many people to please. There's too many different opinions. There's, there's too many different, well, well, if you do this, you'll offend me. Okay, I won't do that. Well, if you don't do this, you'll offend me. Okay, well, I'll start doing it again. And, and if you're just trying to make everybody happy, you're gonna be spinning in circles and you're gonna die trying to make people happy. And so, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to teach us how to thrive and stay strong during the end times that we're living in. And if you haven't realized this, this yet, there are people and things from every direction trying to pull you their way. Have you felt the pull? Have you felt the tug? Have you felt things trying? Well, no, you gotta go this way. And, and, and there is a war for your soul whether you realize it or not. And you got to draw a line in the sand and say, you know what, no, I've made my decision, and I ain't going that way. I'm staying right here with Jesus. And so you've got to know this much, that you can't make everybody happy, and that means you're going to make some people angry. That's the flat-out truth. And that's okay, because I'm not looking for their approval. I'm looking for God's approval. There's this one time in the book of John where all these people are like, well, we don't approve of what Jesus is doing. He's healing people on the Sabbath. And Jesus straight up said to their face, your approval doesn't mean anything to me. All I care about is if my father approves of me. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, Jesus ain't playing around. And if we're going to do this thing right... We've got to, and again, I, I say this every week, but we're not out there trying to offend people, trying to be abrasive. That's not who I am at all. But we've got to get to this place in life where we say, you know what, your approval doesn't mean Jack to me. His approval means the entire world to me. And if you disapprove of me, but God says I approve, then I'm good. I can live with that. But if you say, all right, you're finally doing what we want, Dave. We approve of what you're saying now. But God says, I can't approve of that. That's wrong. Then I have failed. We're living for his approval. Look at this. Galatians chapter one. Can we look at Galatians chapter one? Amen. So we're not looking for their approval. In fact, I would go as far as to say this. If the world and all those crazy people approve of me, I'm probably doing something wrong. If all the crazies and the yahoos approve of me, I'm probably doing something wrong. Because their belief system is highly skewed, if you haven't noticed that. So Galatians 1, we've seen some of what Jesus has to say on the topic. But let's look at what the Apostle Paul has to say, because I always value what his opinion. He is my hero. The Apostle Paul, uh, he went through a lot for Jesus. He was a bold, bold man. But Galatians chapter 1, and we're going to look here at verse 10. And I love what he says here. Galatians 1 verse 10, Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. So I'll, I'll just say it now. If your goal is to make people happy with you and approve of you and to please everybody, being a Christian is probably not your thing. I would definitely say being a preacher is definitely not your thing. <laughs> being a Christian leader, you're not cut out for it. If you want to make, if, if, if you're like Paul and you want to please God, I love what he says here. Obviously I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. I would be their servant. You're trying to please whoever it is that you serve. If you're serving Christ, then you want to please him, and you want his approval. If you're serving the world and everybody else around you, if you're serving them, then you want to please them, and you want to do what they tell you to do. You want to say what they tell you to say. You want to feel how they tell you to feel. You want to believe what they tell you you can believe. And the reason I even discuss this is because we are in a critical time of world history right now. This very Final chapter of things before Jesus comes back and the pressure is on to squeeze you into the mold of society around you. There are some people that blindly go along with it, and then there is a remnant, a percentage of Christians that say, I can't do that. I'm not going there. Cut me off. Cancel me. Do what you got to do. But I'm not going there. I'm sticking with my master. I'm sticking with Jesus. And if that offends people, then so be it. But I cannot change. I cannot recant. I cannot go back to what you want me to be. And that makes some People angry. I like what Joyce Meyer said. She said, trying to meet everybody's expectations is like trying to drain the ocean with a teaspoon. Trying to meet everybody's expectations is like trying to drain the ocean with a teaspoon. You're sitting there working, and the more that you try to do what they want you to do, the more the big hole just fills back in, and it gets worse and worse and worse. I'm not trying to meet your expectations. I'm trying to meet Jesus' expectations for my life. And we need to all say the same thing, because when we seek to please him first, everything else falls into place. Everything else falls into place. But there will be some resistance along the way, because your old friends and family, they liked it when you valued their opinion more than God's. They liked that. They liked it when they could control you. And, you know, that may sound like, agar- but they liked it when you did what they thought you should do with your life. And I've heard it said so many times from so many people that have gotten saved and coming into church. They're like, you know what? When I was out drunk and smoking and, and smoking weed and, 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 and when I was a loser, that didn't bother any of my family. They didn't care. But the second I came into this church, the second that I got rid of all that stuff and started going to church three times a week, now they think I'm a fanatic and they think I'm crazy. Why is that? It didn't bother them when you were drunk and out at the club and partying and being a, you know, a, a wild, crazy man. But the second you, you come to church, you come here two or three times a week, you give 10% of your income to, the, to, to God. Oh, my God. This, they've lost it. They're off their rocker. We need my dad's family. They staged an intervention. Right. They literally his parents and family, they didn't care when he was drunk and when he was fighting and all this stuff. But he started going to a church in Indianapolis, gave his life to the Lord, totally instantly walked away from beer and cigarettes. Instantly, instantly gave those things up, started giving 10 percent of his income to the church. His family like, we're worried about you. Something's wrong. What is wrong with you? You're crazy. And they tried to talk about it. they tried to get him committed to an institution. But they were fine when he was drunk. Why is that? Because he was not looking for their approval. Their approval didn't mean anything anymore. Your approval doesn't mean anything to me. I'm trying to win the approval of my father in heaven. And that rubs some people the wrong way, buddy. And I know this much, that some of your biggest resistance, there's some people here that are newer to the faith that have more recently come to Jesus. And some of your fiercest critics are people from your own family, sometimes within your own house. Look at this, Luke chapter 12. Can we go to Luke chapter 12? Are you still with me today? We're not going too wild here, are we? All right, Maxine likes wild. I like it wild. I've been to boring churches. I have been to those. Not my thing. You know, some people like it. I don't like boring. Luke chapter 12, and we're going to look at verses 52 through 56. Luke 12, verses 52 through 56. Now, Jesus had some something pretty interesting to say right here. I mean, this is kind of a little bit of a shocker. Luke chapter 12, and we're going to look here at verses 52 through 56. And so Jesus said, From now on, families will be split apart, three in favor of me and two against, or two in favor and three against. Father will be divided against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother and mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Verse 54, then Jesus turned to the crowd and said, when you see Clouds beginning to form in the west, you say, here comes a shower. And you're right. When the south wind blows, you say, today will be a scorcher. And it is. Verse 56. You fools. You know how to interpret the weather signs of the earth and sky, but you don't know how to interpret the present times. Jesus said, you guys, you don't get it yet. When you really receive Jesus and you say it's 100% for Jesus, it is going to change the dynamic of some families. That's sad, but there's no doubt about it. When you fully commit to Jesus, sadly, there may be people in your life, those closest to you, that they are not going to approve of it and they're not going to like it. Jesus said it'll turn son against father, father against son. Daughter-in-law against mother-in-law, brother against sister, husband against wife sometimes. It is going to tug you back and forth. But my question today is this. Who are you trying to make happy? Who are you trying to make happy? And we know this much, according to Jesus, that in the end times, some of your fiercest critics will come from within your very own home. They will share the same last name as you, the same DNA, and they will not approve of how committed you are to Jesus. That's sad. And it can change. Thank God it can change. But it changes when you choose Jesus above everything else. It will not change if you decide, you know what? I'll just, you know, maybe I'll just forget this. I got to do this. That is not how you change things for the better. Jesus is always the answer. Are we right on that? He's always the answer. And so, number one, I can't live to please other people. But let's take it a step further and go against some of our modern day beliefs. Number two, I can't live to only please myself. Now that's kind of a a sacred cow issue. That's kind of something that may not agree with everything that we've heard and believed because you're not told that in 2021. All you hear is do what makes you happy. Just do what makes you happy. What makes me happy is sleeping in every day. What makes me happy is going out into the woods and not dealing with people. I mean, hey, if I I would go out, I'd be out in the mountains right now not seeing another person for the next year and I would be fine with it. Listen, you can't just do what makes you happy. I know we've been told that. I hear that every day and we're told that. Well what if what makes you happy is taking other people's money? Should you do it? What makes me really happy when I go to seven or eleven and grab a Slurpee and then take all the money out of the cash register? I feel great. I I haven't done that. I'm just saying what if somebody said that? Like well, you, you, in that case, you can't just do what makes you happy unless being in jail makes you happy. Then you'll love that because that's where you're going to end up at. Now, there is some truth to the phrase, you know, do what makes you happy. I mean, I get that. You should do a job that you enjoy, right? I, you know, I get it. You're not going to love every second of it like some people think that they should. But you should do a job that makes you happy and you enjoy, duh. Absolutely. I've had jobs that I hate. And I've had jobs that I love. I prefer the jobs that I love a lot better than the jobs that I hate. I get that. So, yeah, do 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 that that makes you happy. Or it's okay to have a hobby that makes you happy, so long as it doesn't pull you away from God, right? But to base your entire life off of the myth that do whatever makes you happy, that is a very poor and immature way to live your life. That is not a good Foundation. Well, I just, I don't believe that. I, 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 I will say this, that overall, basing your entire life off of what makes you feel happy that day is an epic sign of immaturity. Everybody wants happiness, but Jesus offers you something better than happiness. He offers you joy. Chasing happiness is a never, it's like a dog chasing its tail. You ever seen that? A dog just sitting there spinning in circles, and it's like, Bud, you've already got it. It's it's attached to you. You've already got it. You've got what you need right there. And there are Christians chasing this happiness all the time, trying to catch it. I'm like, you've already got it. If you would just tap in to what's already been given to you, it's called joy. When you discover joy, when you tap in to the joy of the Lord, You quit chasing happiness, and you, at that point, are fulfilled. The most miserable people I know, and I can say this. I've got tons of faces flashing before my mind even as I make this statement. The most miserable people I know are the ones that are always chasing this mythical happiness for themselves. And on the other hand, the happiest Most joyful people that I know in this world are the ones that are not living their lives for themselves. They're living their lives for Jesus. Well, that sounds cheesy. That sounds like just some generic thing to say. There's nothing generic or cheesy about that. The most fulfilled, joyful, happy, upbeat people that I know are the ones that gave up trying to make themselves happy all the time. And they're people that, you know what? The more that I give my life to Jesus, the more joy and happiness and fulfillment I've got. What was I thinking? Quit chasing happiness, and when you chase Jesus, it'll be given to you. But it'll be something better than happiness. It's something called joy. Happiness is an emotion, and it changes. What made you happy yesterday may not make you happy today. Yesterday, you were craving Taco Bell, so you got it, and you were happy. Today, Taco Bell's not going to make you happy. Pardon the weak illustration. That wasn't my best stuff. I I realize I could have done better than that, okay? Give me another chance here. Forgive me, all right? But what I'm saying is this. If you're just constantly chasing happiness, it's a never-ending chase. But when I seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things are added unto me. I don't chase happiness. It chases me. I don't chase all these things the world is chasing. They chase me. Fulfillment chases me because I'm chasing Jesus. King David said in Psalm 1611, in your presence is fullness of joy. All I've got to do is stick in the presence of God, and I will have the fullness of joy. I don't need a bunch of money to make me happy. I don't need a bunch of people approving of me to make me happy. I don't need to have fun 24-7 to make me happy. I need Jesus. People say, follow your heart. Now, that's a fine thing to do if your heart is sold out to Jesus then, yeah, follow your heart because it is born again. But if your heart isn't sold out to Jesus, it's very poor advice to follow your heart because Jeremiah said, the heart above all things is wicked and deceptive. (laughs) Now, that's not talking about a born-again Christian or somebody that's sold out to Jesus. But if Jesus isn't your number one, then following your heart is not going to be a very safe guide. But I can say this, if your heart is sold out to Jesus absolutely follow it cuz it's going to do nothing but lead you straight to the word of God. Can somebody say amen? Amen. All right, I'm going to grab my notes and time out. All right. Praise God. I'm 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 working on this. I'm going to get better at this preaching thing someday. All right. So, look at Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14. Amen. Who's having a good time? So, You know, oftentimes, you know, you know, we when couples are struggling in the marriage, I I hear phrases like, "He just doesn't make me happy anymore." Right? I just want to be happy, and she doesn't make me feel that way. I will just say it now: that is not grounds for divorce. Thank you, Dad. Listen, (laughs) listen, because she doesn't make you feel happy anymore. That's not a reason, a biblical reason for divorce. No, I love my wife with all of my heart. Praise God. We've been, we've, I think we've been together more than, more than 50% of our lives now, right? Cause we've been, I don't know. Anyway, we're, I'll do the math later, but yeah, we've been together longer than we haven't been together. And, uh, but I'll say this much. I don't put the burden of my happiness upon her shoulders. That's pathetic. That's stupid. Well, I'm not happy because she doesn't make me happy anymore. Nowhere in our marriage vows did I say that it was her personal mission in life to do nothing but see to it that I am happy all of the time. I don't look. She makes me happy. And praise God, we're blessed. My family's blessed. I love it. But I don't put... The burden of my happiness and my emotions upon them. I looked at Jesus for my fulfillment and my happiness and my joy, and guess what? It's worked out great. That's worked I mean, come on. When, when I, when I'm seeking Jesus with all my heart, yeah man, He blesses the family. He blesses everything else, but it is not her mission in life to seek to it that Dave Samples is constantly and consistently happy. I don't put that burden on her. I look to Jesus for my fulfillment. Amen. Some days I'm happy. Some days I'm not. But that's not her fault. Thank you. Thank you. Romans 14. That went over really, really good. Romans 14, verses 7 and 8. Again, the apostle says, For we don't live for ourselves or die for ourselves. If we live it's to honor the Lord. And if we die, it's to honor the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. What is he saying right there? Man, My, I'm living to honor God. I am living to honor. I'm not living for myself. I'm not even dying for myself. I mean, come on. That's a pretty... Paul always takes it a step further, I'm not, not only am I not living for myself, I'm not dying for myself. I'm living and I'm dying for the honor of God, for the honor of Jesus. Everything I do, my entire existence is about Jesus. Well, man, that doesn't sound very fun. All I know is the people that have that same attitude are the happiest, most joyful, fulfilled people I know. And the people that don't have that attitude are the most miserable people that I know. That's the absolute truth. And as a Christian, this should be our attitude. Living only for yourself is the worst way to live a life. What did we read in John chapter 12? These people, they believed in Jesus. They're, oh, no, no doubt about it. This guy, he must be the Messiah. He must be the Savior that we've been hearing about. But no one else... I, I'm I'm going to lose some people. I'm, I'm going to, people are going to cancel me. They're going to kick me out of the synagogue if I admit to it. They loved the praise of man more than the praise of God. That's what I'm talking about today. And I'm saying this, that if I only care about what makes me happy, if I'm living to please myself, that's a miserable existence. In our generation, we see a lot of fake people, all right? fake people online, they portray these stupid images of self-indulgence and fake happiness. Quite frankly, people are pretty obsessed with themselves these days. And, you know, let's just get real. You know, I was thinking the other day about what if, you know, I always imagine like, you know, because I watch old TV shows. I watch, like, nothing made after the 1970s. It's not because – it's just because I'm super old on the inside. It's not that I'm trying to be holy. It's just that's what I like. And so I watch a lot, a lot of Little House on the Prairie, okay? So take this journey with me back in time. And so I'm like, uh, uh, you know, what, what – what, what, can you imagine those people from, like, the 1860s and 70s? What if one of them asked somebody from the future, what will the world be like in 2021? Ooh, what would it be like? I'm like, well, well, Charles Ingalls, people are going to sit around taking photographs of themselves all the time. Pictures of themselves. I know, right? If there's ever a national emergency, they'll buy all the toilet paper. Like, what is that? Uh uh uh, uh you'll be you'll be free to believe and do whatever you want to do as long as it's what everybody else tells you to believe and do. But yeah, it'll be a totally free society as long as you do what they tell you to do, then you're free. It's great. It's awesome. You're gonna you're gonna love it. I think they'd say, you know what, I think we'll just stay back here. We don't wanna go. That's that's fine. (laughs) But but seriously, what are we doing? Who are we trying to make happy here? I don't need everybody else to pat me on the back. I need Jesus to pat me on the back because I'm not gonna stand in front of you after I die. I'm going to stand in front of Jesus. You're not going to be the one judging my life at the end. You're not going to be the one deciding if I'm getting into heaven or not. I'm standing before God Almighty. And so that's something to think about. But I I look at Peter. Peter's a good example to look at as someone who at one point caved to the pressure around him. And then at another point, he changed. And so that gives me hope that there may be some people that are Christians that they have caved to the pressure around them to kind of take it a little bit easier on their beliefs. But listen, there's hope for you yet. Peter, when Jesus, at the times that he was popular, we know that he wasn't always popular, but at the times that he was doing miracles and raising the dead and and people were, you know, they were throwing palm branches, right, when he came into Jerusalem. Hosanna! Hosanna! Peter was right there beside him. Thank you, everybody. Yes, I work with Jesus. Hallelujah. He was fine with it. He he totally loved that. And then at Jesus' lowest, darkest moment, when they were getting ready to kill the man, people say, wait a minute. You're from Galilee. We recognize your accent. In fact, we saw you with him just the other day. I don't even know that guy. What are you talking about? Then a second time, no, 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 no. We we recognize you. You were with him just last week. I don't even know. I never met the man. And then a third time, someone comes up and says, no, no, You're, you were one of his disciples, weren't you? And he cusses at them and says, I don't even know that guy. Wow. And then the rooster crowed for the third time, and Peter had a mental and emotional breakdown right there. The tough, mean sailor, the, 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 the man... The manly man, he broke down and ran out of there, crying his eyes out because Jesus had always been there for him. Jesus always stood up for him. And then the one time Jesus needed somebody to stand up for him, Peter folded under the pressure. I don't even know who that guy is. I never met him in my life. Oh, my gosh. Think about maybe we feel like we haven't been to that extreme. But listen. We can never, ever, ever, ever give in to the pressure because, listen and mark my words: the pressure will get more intense. It will get more intense. You can't, you can't read that part of the Bible anymore. You can't say that. No, 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 no. That, that's offensive. You, uh, we know it says that, but, but, or you mean you believe that stuff? You believe? Seriously? You will have opportunities to take your stands for Jesus if you haven't yet and you better have some backbone because I don't want that conversation when I get to heaven man why couldn't you be there for me I was there for you why couldn't why couldn't you just stand up for me that one time I mean I don't want that conversation all I want to hear is well done good and faithful servant enter into the joy of the lord you you get in there this is get in there that's your new home that's What I want to hear. But the good news for Peter was he corrected it. In fact, he was so intense in the book of Acts that he was arrested time and time again for preaching in the name of Jesus. And in fact, church history tells us that the final time Peter was arrested and sentenced to death by the Romans, they said, you're dying on a cross. We are going to crucify you. And he said, that's fine. I welcome it. I dare you. Do it, but get it. Mark my words. I am not worthy to die the same way that Jesus died. Hang me on a cross, but hang me upside down because I don't deserve to even die the same way he did. Like, whoa, my gosh. And Peter died on a cross like Jesus did, but he was hung upside down on that cross. And he had the name of Jesus on those lips until his final Breath. He never again caved to the pressure to denounce the name of Jesus Christ. And you know, thinking about stuff like that, I mean, over the last year, my mind has thought a whole lot more than it ever did before. What are you willing to endure for Jesus? You know, before I was like, well, I guess I, I reckon I could lose a little sleep for him. I don't know, man. I reckon I could give a little money to the church to the missionaries. I, you know, there's things that we thought we sacrificed, but the reality. And the weight of that question is heavier now more than it's ever been in your life or my life. What are we willing to endure for Jesus? Are we willing to go all the way? You know, I mean, that's not a popular thing to, to ask or to think about. But how far are you willing to take it in your belief for Jesus. Are you willing to lose some people? Are you willing to lose some things? Are you willing to lose some popularity? And, and, and what are you willing to lose for Jesus? And I, after taking a really long, hard look at myself, I'm willing to lose everything for Jesus. Because anything I lose here, heaven will more than make up for it. I will live at the absolute longest on this earth, 120 years. I don't personally want to live for 120 years. That sounds crazy. I mean 90 or 100 tops, but I, I don't want to be here in 20 years. I want to get to heaven, dude. Come on. But listen, if I live to be 120 years old here on this earth, I'm going to be up there for the next 700 billion never-ending years. No matter how long I live here, it equals to about 15 minutes in the heavenly time zone. And so why would I not give up some things here if it's going to more than make up for it for the next trillion years up there? Food for thought, something to think about, do with that what you want to do with it. But the reality of who am I trying to make happy, what am I willing to give up for Jesus Is a more serious question than it's ever been before, and I'll say this to be honest with everybody. Most of the new politicians have made their feelings about Christians abundantly clear. They don't care too much for us. I'll tell you that right now. We, you know, if uh, the state of California, if the Supreme Court had not forced their hand a month ago, they'd still... Today marks the day that they're letting restaurants and stuff open at a certain capacity. But if the Supreme Court had not forced their hand and forced them to, churches would still be ordered to be shut down in California. Guarantee it. I'm not getting political, but he doesn't care anything about us, and he's made that clear. Most politicians at the national level and the state level, they don't care about Christians. And that's not a... Yeah, I mean, if that's shocking news to you and that's mind-blowing, then I don't know where you've been, but let's just get real. That's not even controversial to say. They don't even mind it. They don't even mind letting you know that. And so what I'm saying is this. Who are you trying to make happy? Trying to make them happy? Are you trying to make Jesus happy. Who are you living for? And so many of the top politicians I'll say this, you know, Most of them, they either see us as of no use to what they need, or they see us as a threat to what they believe. Well, we can't do that if they're still teaching that and preaching that and doing that. One of those two things, most of them, but what i got to say is this. I am not looking for your approval. I say like Jesus said in the book of John, your approval means nothing to me. The only approval I care about is that of my Father in heaven. I'm not out trying to tick you off. But I'm not afraid of it either. And so they can try to cancel us, silence us, eventually jail us if that's what they want to do. Who cares? But it won't stop the name of Jesus Christ. Paul said this in 2 Timothy. He was locked up. He was in jail. The last letter that he wrote, he was in chains as he was writing this. He said, I am chained right now, but the word of God cannot be Chained. They can lock me up, but they can't lock the Word of God up. It's alive. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. The Word of God cannot be chained. And that's really good news because my entire life is based off of this thing. They can try to take everything away, but they cannot take the Word of God away from me because I have hidden His Word in my heart, as David said, Psalm 119, that I may not sin against Him. So, I'm not living for other people. I'm not even living to only make myself happy. But number three, I'm living for Jesus. That's my entire life, my entire existence. And I know you're saying the same thing. Amen. You're saying the same thing. Amen. You're living for Jesus. Now, I want to close out with a verse we've already looked at, but we're going to look at it again because we can do that. Isaiah chapter 50 and verse 7, and that is the HDWC theme verse for 2021. You better know this. If you don't know it, learn it. Isaiah 50 and verse 7, because you are going to have to have some tenacity. You're going to have to have some backbone. You're going to have to have some guts to really do this thing right, to live the Christian life the way that it's supposed to be lived. Now, I will say this, and I'll preach this every day of my life, that God is a good God. He wishes above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. I believe Psalm 91, that though a thousand fall at your left hand and 10,000 at your right, it won't even touch you. And I, I mean, I listen, I, we We preached that on this exact Sunday a year ago. We were preaching that. Everyone's scared of what's going on. And, yeah, I know people that got sick this year. I know people that lost some money this year. I get all that. But guess what? We're still here today. A thousand fell at my left hand. Ten thousand at my right. But praise God, I've never been healthier in my entire life. I know so many of you are saying the same thing, not putting down anybody that's been sick That's not at all what I'm doing. But what I'm saying is this. I have never been healthier than I am in my entire life right now. Man, it's awesome. I love standing. Why? Because when everything went crazy, I just started standing on the word of God more than I've ever stood on it before. I am more blessed than I've ever been in my entire life. Why? Because I'm living for Jesus. Isaiah 50, verse 7, because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a stone, determined to do his will, and I know that I will not be put to shame. Can we stand up together today? Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.